Um, and I'm beyond excited that I do get to continue journeying through the book of Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. I love a lot of the books of the Bible, obviously, but Ephesians just really speaks to me as an individual, um, and it has over the last couple of years. And so um, the fact that I get to share from one of my favorite books, from one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, it's just uh, God doing awesome work. And so I'm, 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 just, I'm, I'm just grateful to be up here and doing this um, here today. And so for a little context uh, that we've been getting over the last couple weeks, the major theme of Ephesians is that through Jesus, God is calling creation back to himself, okay? God is calling creation back to himself in a reconciled and unified manner. And so God is calling creation back, and he's not just calling certain people back. He's calling all creation, everything back in a unified manner back to himself. And the way that he does that and the way that he calls people back and gives access back to himself is through Jesus Christ. And so Paul is, is um, laying out the gospel, and he's explaining the Father's handiwork in all of it. And so we've been introduced to the mystery of the gospel that all, not just some, all who come um, to Jesus, all who call on the name of Jesus, will inherit the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to pick up where Ryan left off last week, um, and we're going to examine what living a life aligned to Christ looks like. And so um, our, past, or our, our sermon series for Ephesians is called Walking in Light. And for some reason, when I, when I continue to read the book of Ephesians and I hear walking in light, I just think of this idea of walking in alignment with Christ and with God as our, as our four, at the forefront of our minds, okay? And so that's what we're going to be looking at here today. Uh, before we do, I'm going to step back. I'm going to pray uh, and just allow God to uh, move in our hearts and our minds here today. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you again um, for the opportunity. You are just so wonderful, and you are so gracious to me. Um, Lord, I just I thank you for the opportunity. Um, Lord, just use me. Uh, speak through me. Um, this is your word, and, and this is the, the message that you give me, and so I just pray that I do it justice, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. And so uh, uh, just uh, <laughs> before we move on any further, I am a little bit sleep-deprived, all right? We do have a three-week-old here, and last night I think he slept maybe 30 minutes, right? It was, yeah, so <laughs> maybe 20, I don't know. So it's all right. I'm here, I'm happy, and uh, we're going to do this. So Ephesians, we're going to pick up chapter 4, verse 17, and we're going to go through 32. And so I'm going to read it for us here right now. Now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of their hearts, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, 
so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and, to, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God has forgiven you. All right, you can go home. Enough said, right? That's it. I mean, amen. Um, It's all right there. Take off the old self, put on the new self. Easy, right? (laughs) All right, so honestly, in its most simplest form, this is what your new life in Christ looks like. However, there's so much more here to unpack. It'd take a couple weeks here to go through all of it. Um, So in true guest speaker fashion, you're going to get the uh, meaningful condensed version. All right. So what can we gather from those uh, 17 verses, that short passage there out of out of uh, chapter four of Ephesians? Um, Here's what I think that we can gather. And here's what our focus, I think, for today is, is walking in light or as I've called it, walking in alignment with God. The father requires two things, a shift in mindset and knowledge of God the Father, so head, and a heart transplant that reflects the true nature of God. So a shift in mindset and a heart transplant. Coincidentally enough, both of these naturally occur the more we saturate ourselves with the gospel, the more that we just sit and marinate uh, in the gospel, these two things just naturally occur in our lives. And so we're going to circle back around to these points of emphasis in a bit because I believe in order for us to understand what walking in alignment and living in alignment um, of Christ and and God the Father looks like, we need to know what what it means to be out of alignment, right? So in other words, to understand what walking in light at a more intimate level is like, we need to understand what living a life walking in darkness or walking out of alignment with Christ is like. Paul addresses this right away in verses 17 and 19. If you go back to 17 and 19, he gives us a picture of the world apart or alienated from God. Read as I pay attention uh, to the emphasis on the effect of this lifestyle, that this lifestyle has on the mind. And so... Verse 17 through 19, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, right? They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of their hearts, mind, heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. Paul here is describing that the mind, caught up, the, the mind is caught up in, uh, sorry, a mind that is caught up in the world is futile. Things that are full, full of things that don't matter, right? Incapable of producing anything good. Darkened. Blind. Why? What's the answer? Why, are all the, why is the mind alienated from God futile and all of these things? Because it is alienated from God. It does not know how it's in alignment, what alignment is. And so let's dive a little further. Paul's calling out believers in Ephesus. You, we, are no longer to walk as the Gentiles do. In this context, he's speaking to one, uh, anyone outside 
of Christ, any outside of the faith of Christ. So in the Old Testament, a Gentile was anyone outside uh, the knowledge of God. In the New Testament, Paul is addressing anyone as a Gentile. They don't know the faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He's saying if you believe in Jesus, you must no longer live in a way that reflects the opposite. He's saying that our minds, or their minds, have constructed a barrier so high and so wide and so deep that it hinders them, and sometimes us, from living a life with God. Those who live in this mindset believe that they have it figured out. I'm sure you know a couple people, but here it is. Life is about amassing pleasure, and they have given into it so much that they become greedy for it. Whatever that pleasure is, they just need it. They want it. Greedy is, I think, a unique choice of words that Paul uses. Um, greedy is this hyper-craving, like this over-hyper-craving. I need it. I don't just want it. I absolutely need it. It's a hunger to pursue worldly pleasures. It's like saying that a person has to have something because without it, their life would have no meaning. Their life would have no value. Their life would have no purpose. And so for a person that's living alienated from God, and amassing worldly pleasures is the only form of fulfillment they get. And so they get so greedy for it that they continually seek it out. Life is meaningless without whatever pleasure that is. And pleasure affects everybody differently. People find pleasures in, in, things, in other things, right? And it's that thought of being without which creates then disparity in our hearts. So much so that we have an unhealthy craving for whatever it is and we hold on to it. Disparity in our hearts. We want something so bad and because we don't have it, we have this disparity uh, and we start to uh, grieve over not having it. So we just go after it. And where does this craving come from? Well, in verse 18, it's pretty simple. It's a, it's a result of being alienated from God. Or rather, the absence of God in our lives. The absence of God in the forefront of our minds. Um, Blaise Pascal, I'm sure many of you have heard this. Blaise Pascal calls this the God-shaped hole. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. We are constantly, we, we've referenced this many times in Abundant Life. We know people who are constantly trying to fill a void in their heart with things outside of Christ. And what happens more and more? They're just filled up with more emptiness. That vacuum becomes bigger, never gets fulfilled. And so people continue to push or pursue worldly pleasures. Well, if this wasn't it, well, then maybe it's this. If this wasn't it, well, maybe it's this, right? So let's think about those, some of those things. We try relationships. If I can get a girlfriend, if I can get a wife, if I can get whatever, then I'll be happy. Well, we get that girlfriend, that girlfriend becomes our wife, we're not happy. Well, if we have kids, family, that'll make us happy. That'll fix our relationship, right? Well, we have kids, more problems come with more kids, amen? <laughs> right? Yeah, you all are laughing because you know. Um, so that's not it. Now, there's fulfillment in those things. Those things are great. But if that's the sole purpose of the fulfillment, um, you're, you're missing the point, right? Or it can be other things. It can be money, drugs, alcohol, you name it. Um, whatever that, that uh, approval from people, 
is a big one in today's culture. Affirmation from other people. I used to struggle with this all the time. I would do whatever I can to please people in order to get an attaboy, right? That, that, that was a craving of mine. And so we know we're missing something. We're not sure how it got there. We're not, we're not sure how this void got there, but we recognize that there is this absence in our soul. We recognize that there's something missing. And reality is this, is that we're searching for God. And I wish, I wish I was just talking about non-believers in this case. I really do. Um, it's easy to point to a non-believer and say, oh, you're missing Jesus in your life. You know why you're unhappy? It's because you have a void in your heart. You know why you're unhappy? It's because you're pursuing all these worldly things that don't fulfill. However, in many cases, and I guess in some cases, I can't say many, but in some cases, believers fall into this as well. Absolutely, believers fall into this as well. Uh, obviously, since Paul is addressing this to believers, it's not some new understanding for today's world. 